Well, we have been for this for several weeks now talking about Scripture and uh, specifically talking about um, the clarity of Scripture. And tonight I want to answer this question. I want to ask the question and then hopefully try to answer it. Why do people misunderstand the Bible? Why do people misunderstand? I think um, do, do people ever misunderstand the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think the answer there is yes, uh, we do sometimes uh, during Jesus own lifetime, his own disciples misunderstood the Bible. Can you think of times when when his disciples misunderstood what what the Old Testament taught or what Jesus himself taught? Give me some specifics. Any 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 specific times? That's right. That's right. They didn't understand. They didn't understand when he said he was going to leave because they were assuming that he was this political messiah. And all of a sudden he was going to leave. Well, that didn't that didn't fit with their agenda. They didn't understand. Um, Any others? That's right. When he told parables, uh, oftentimes they would pull him back in. You know, I've always wondered what must have been going through their mind when they were sitting there listening to the parable because they weren't the only ones listening to the parables. It was told with Pharisees and scribes and elders and members of the community listening. And I wonder if they sat there and pretended like they understood. You know, they... Yes, yes, Jesus, yes, you know. And then they would get, get alone with Jesus and they'd pull him in and say, what did that mean? Explain that to us. And Jesus would often say, don't you understand yet? And then he would go to explain the parable. So there's always been misunderstanding. And there always will be misunderstanding. Uh, because while we have been given the mind of Christ, it is it is something that is applied over the course of our lives. We'll never be all knowing like God, but we will increasingly know him and increasingly understand his word all the more. And we should read the Bible regularly. Uh, I was thinking about this today, you know, and I've I've even said it, but I was told as, as a teenager, I remember being told, don't just do your quiet time as if it's something that you need to check off the list. And that's true. You shouldn't just do it to check it off the list. But I think we've taken that to such an extreme that many people don't do it at all because we've we've tried to make it this um, sort of mystical experience. And if we're not having this mystical experience, then then we shouldn't shouldn't be having it. Well, sometimes you need to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And that means getting up daily and looking at the word of God. And not that you're just checking it off the list, but that it is part of your regular routine. And so we should should be doing that so that we understand more and more and more of Scripture over time. Let me give you this, though. If um, if Scripture is misunderstood, if we've been saying for the last couple weeks, if Scripture is so clear, then why do people still misunderstand? Well, I want to give you three reasons. Number one, particularly in the case of the disciples in Jesus day, sometimes they just needed to wait for future events to happen. You know, that was part of the reason they didn't understand. That's what Ralph was talking about, is they didn't quite understand when he talked about that one day he was going to leave, when he began to talk about how he was going to, you know, suffer and die. You remember that? We've, we've looked at that through Mark, and and uh, and they just missed it altogether. And and, uh, and Peter pulled him aside and said, you know, this is, this will never, this is never going to happen. 
And what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Um, they, they didn't understand certain things because certain things hadn't happened yet. And they had to wait for those. Uh, let me give you a couple of verses. Turn to John chapter 12. John 12, 12 through 16. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. They didn't understand it in the, in the, in the middle. We oftentimes read the Bible and we think, you know, they had every bit of the knowledge that we have. And why didn't they quite get it? Well, they were going through it at the time, having to experience it and having to wait on certain things. And Jesus hadn't at that point not been crucified. It said it wasn't until he was glorified. What does it mean there when it says when he was glorified? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, when he when he was killed, when he was put into the tomb, when he was raised from the dead and he had ascended. It was it was then that he that they realized why these things took place. So. On the front side of those, they didn't understand, but sometimes they just had to wait for something else to happen. Uh, Turn over just a a chapter in John and uh, look at the event in verses 2 through 7 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, And that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. And Peter went on to say, then you shall never wash my feet. And he goes into this whole conversation that's history for us now. But on the front end, Peter and the other disciples didn't understand. They needed to wait on some things to happen. There's a second reason why his disciples didn't understand some things. Sometimes they misunderstood because of their own lack of faith or their hardness of heart. Um, turn to Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. Luke 24, verse 25. This is on the road to Emmaus. Verse 25 says, And he said to them, this is talking with the men on the road, that 
didn't know who he was. He said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Sometimes they didn't understand or they misunderstood scripture because they didn't want to believe it. Here, Jesus walking with these two men after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus, and they say to him, are you the only one in, in the whole region that hasn't, is, is not aware of what has happened? And Jesus said, what are you talking about? And they went on and explained all that had happened to this one, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, you're foolish and slow of heart to believe all the prophets said. And he goes and he shows them what Moses from there forward taught about the Messiah. Really, when it comes down to it, they should have believed, but they didn't. They had enough information. It had been told to them ahead of time, but they didn't believe. And sometimes they misunderstood because they simply didn't have the faith or they had hardened their heart to it. A third reason that his disciples misunderstood was sometimes they misunderstood because they needed to grow in their understanding. Um, Let me give you a few examples of this. They needed to grow into it. Turn to Acts chapter 15. Hang with me because I want to apply this here in just a minute. Acts chapter 15. Let me read these first 11 verses. You have to keep in mind here, this is the, the church has now started. The Christian movement is on the grow. And in verse 1 of Acts 15, some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy um, to all the brothers When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you. That by my, by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. They needed to grow in this. The church was growing and there was a mixture in the church that the gospel had gone to the Jews and the the church was largely made up of converted Jews, Messianic Jews. 
But then the gospel went on to the Gentiles. And they began to receive the gospel and they were converted and gloriously saved. But then some that had been raised in Judaism began to take their laws of Judaism and put them back on these Gentiles and say that they couldn't be saved unless they were circumcised and followed all of these laws. And there was a debate in the church. Some said, yes, that's how it is. Others said, no, you can't add to it. And it took men like Paul to stand up and say, to say that is to say that you can add something to the work of Christ in order for a person to be saved. It's important here. What I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that the church didn't quite fully understand everything in the beginning, and they had to grow in that, had to grow in their understanding. There are things that we don't understand at the beginning. In fact, if you look at most of the New Testament, if you look at most of the epistles, if you get past Acts and you get into the epistles, you, you see that most of the epistles were written to correct or to train in some specific situation or some specific doctrine, something that someone was believing wrongly or needed more clarity on. Think about how many times the Bible speaks about marriage, divorce. And tithing, and qualification of elders, qualifications of deacons, and this and that. Well, why does it do that? Well, it does that because as we walk with the Lord, we will grow in our understanding. And they, they misunderstood sometimes because they just didn't understand yet and they had to grow into it. Well, here's the application. How about us? Uh, do we ever misunderstand the Bible? Absolutely. Listen to what Wayne Grudem said. Wayne Grudem says the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture does not imply or suggest that all believers will agree on all teachings of Scripture. Nevertheless, it does tell us something very important, that the problem always lies not with Scripture, but with ourselves. We can come to Scripture and we can know that God has definitively spoken. It is his word. We can read it and we can know that it is as much from God as it would be if God were standing in front of us speaking audibly to us. It's his word. So if we're coming together and Polo has one understanding of a, of a passage of scripture and I have another, it could be that I don't have all the information and I'm mistaken in my understanding. And we don't necessarily have to agree on everything. But what we can't say is, well, where we disagree, it must be scripture that's faulty. It must be scripture that's wrong. It's never going to be that. It's either going to be I've got it wrong or Polo's got it wrong or both of us have it wrong. But scripture's always going to be right. Are there still things that, um, let me ask this question. Are there still things that will happen that we won't fully understand until they do? And are there future events that are going to happen that, that we won't fully comprehend and get until they actually happen? Yeah. I mean, from Revelation 4 on. I mean, do you understand all of that? I mean, I don't. I read some things. I remember as a kid, my best friend next door, Willie Williamson. Uh, Willie and I used to go out and we'd, you know, we had this big, long, steep hill and we'd lay down on the hill and we'd roll down the hill together and we'd do that about 1,500 times and 
go in and drink red Kool-Aid and then go to the back bedroom, pull out the Bible and open to Revelation. And we'd read Revelation. Don't ask me why we did all that first, but we would do that. And I remember we'd read that and we would be scared out of our minds. I remember as a kid one time reading it and becoming so scared that I just bolted out of his house, just ran back home. You know, I don't understand it all. One day I will. One day it's all going to happen and I'll get a better picture of it. So just as when those disciples, when Jesus was alive and those things were happening and they didn't quite understand all that he was teaching, just like they didn't understand it then until he was glorified. There are things about heaven, eschatology, and all of this future stuff that you and I won't quite understand until it happens. Are there some things that we refuse to believe because we lack the faith or we harden our hearts? Absolutely. You ever come across things that the Bible teaches that you say, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that. I think if we're honest, we all do. If you're not reading anything in Scripture that, that comes against you and, and, and there's a rub there, then you need to broaden what you're reading. I'm not saying go outside the Bible to other books. What I'm saying is you need to go outside the Gospels. You need to get into the epistles. You need to go other places in your Bible and read, because when you begin to read, there are some things that, upon first reading, will rub you the wrong way. Now, when that happens, does that mean that you're wrong or the Bible's wrong? The correct answer here is that you're wrong. Now, I understand also in that that sometimes there are multiple interpretations for what the Bible says. And so you don't know whether you're wrong or he's wrong or she's wrong. But there's going to be some things that come across in Scripture. And we must always say the Bible is the word of God. It is always true. And I will do everything I can with the spirit as my teacher to understand it and to yield to it. And that's the proper response. But there are some things that we're just. We just harden our hearts to. We don't have the faith to believe. We pray we should pray that our faith would increase. Are there things that we will come to understand as we grow? There better be, right? If, if not, then what are we doing here? Right? If, if all of us have got it all figured out and we know everything there is to know... And we know God completely. We've put him in a box. Then why do we continue to meet together? You'll never put God in a box. God's ways are not like your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You'll never understand him completely. There will come a day when you will be with him and you will know even as you have been fully known. But even then you will spend eternity learning the truths of God. When we disagree with other brothers and sisters, and we will, and there are issues where in doctrine where we will not always agree. What are some of those? What are some of those areas? Let's just let's just throw them out there. What are some of those areas that we sometimes will disagree on? Okay, worship styles. 
Baptism, yeah. Uh, our, um, as Baptists, we would differ from our Presbyterian brothers. Music, eschatology. Yeah, men and women in, in leadership roles. There's all sorts of these things. Predestination. There's, there's, there's a myriad of topics that you and I will disagree on. Um, there's, a, there's a great article. I won't read it to you tonight. It's a long article, but I would send you to it. If you want to go online, you can Google, um, for those of you that, that do Internet stuff, Google Theological Triage Albert Muller. Theological Triage Al Muller. He's written an article, and in that, he takes a lesson from the emergency room. When you go into, emerg- into an emergency room, you go in, and the first person generally you meet is going to be the, the triage nurse or the triage representative. And that person <clears throat> is going to assess your needs. And if you go in and you have a scraped knee, you're going to be waiting in the lobby for a while. But if you go in and you have a gunshot wound to the chest, it's that person's responsibility to say that you take precedent over the scraped knee. <clears throat> and in <clears throat> excuse me, and in this article, Al Mohler does a really good job at saying that there are some there are, there are three levels as far as how we look at these these doctrines and how we need to come to understand how we all view them. There's Issues of first importance. Those are things like the full deity, the full humanity of Jesus Christ, justification by faith alone, the Trinity. Those are things that if we're going to be believers, if we are Christians, we're going to agree on. We can go from here. We can go to the Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church. uh, Any any church that's truly a church uh, representing Christianity. And we're going to agree on those. You can go anywhere in the world. And if there is a Christian church, regardless of denomination, we're going to agree on those things. But then there's a second level. There are some issues where there are going to be issues that we're not going to agree on necessarily. And those are going to be things like baptism. Now, are our Presbyterian brothers and sisters truly brothers and sisters? Yeah. Then why don't we all just worship together? Because there are things that will will keep us from truly, really fellowshipping in worship together. We can fellowship with them coming together periodically, but we can't worship with them in an ongoing basis because they're, they're going to view baptism differently than us. They're going to baptize infants. And as Baptists, we're not. We're going to believe that baptism is a picture of what Christ does in the life of a believer. After conversion. So there's things that are going, we're not going to agree on, but that are going to divide our fellowship. Then there's going to be some things, the third level he points out, there's going to be some things that we don't agree on, but they don't divide our fellowship. I mean, those are the things we just talked about. Eschatology. How many of you are, are uh, premillennial, pre-tribulationals? Do you know? You know, how many of you are post-trib? 
You know, how many of you are this or that? There's going to be some things that that we don't agree on, but we can still we can still be in the same church family together. Um, they're, they're not they're not issues that are going to divide us. The scriptures are incredibly clear. But it doesn't mean that we will always agree on every single thing. We will disagree on some doctrines. Yeah. Well, they are they are clear. What? Yeah. Well, and it goes back to, again, we don't have a perfect understanding and and we won't have a perfect understanding. We the scriptures are clear in that they reveal to us all that we need to know to be um, to be converted, to be able to stand before God in Christ alone. Everything we need for the gospel is there and it's clear. But there are going to be some issues where the Bible is not. It's not exhaustive on. I mean, does the Bible say everything there is to say about marriage? No. Does the Bible say everything there is to say about finances? No. Raising children? No. There's going to be some things that that are it's just not not in there. It's not that the Bible's not clear, but it's not exhaustive. Does that make sense? Okay, you're grinning at me, laughing. Yeah, and if this were if this were a Genesis one and two world, we wouldn't. We would all understand it perfectly. There would be no confusion. But the reality is we're in a Genesis 3 to Revelation world. That's right. That's right. But is it the road's fault? That's right. And that's what we have to come to here is when we misunderstand the Bible, it's not that Scripture's wrong. It's that we're wrong. And I think we have to keep that in mind because we have to remember that there may be cases where when we disagree with one another, we have to remember that either we're trying to say something that Scripture doesn't say. And we need to guard against speaking where Scripture's silent. Or we're wrong in our, our interpretation. Remember what I said a minute ago. Maybe Polo's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But we have to leave ourselves open to say that we could possibly be wrong. Now, it doesn't mean that we should just take a very lax attitude with, with Scripture and say, well, you know, it'll all wash out in the end. We don't really need to study this thing or take it very seriously. If I believed that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be spending as much time as I am every week trying to bring the Word of God to you. We must do the best job we can with it, understanding that we won't have a full, complete understanding until, well, really, we'll spend all eternity learning.
Right. And even as far as going to what did the Mormons believe and the Muslims believe so that what separates us and why, why we believe what we believe that's made us have a deeper relationship with the Father and a deeper relationship with Jesus and a, with each other in terms yep. of our personal walk and becoming stronger. Yeah, and I think those are two keys. I think it, it does. It drives us deeper into relationship with the Father and deeper into relationship with our brothers and sisters here and outside of this Baptist context. Um, we, we, we learn from one another, and uh, I think that's a good point. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer, and uh, I'll be around. I'd love to, to talk afterwards if you have any more questions. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for your word, that it is clear. God, uh, we don't quite understand all of what that means, that it is clear. But, God, I pray that we would uh, grow in our understanding of your word, that we wouldn't shy away from studying it, hiding it away in our hearts. God, that we wouldn't shy away from the hard parts. But, God, that we would, we would engage there. God, that we would be willing to engage with uh, brothers and sisters of different denominations. Brothers and sisters of like denominations. And we would even engage with people outside of Christianity. And God, that uh, not that we really have um, anything to learn from them. But God, it can, as Aaron has said, it can drive us to learn more from your word. And God, I pray that your word would become so um, essential to our lives. God, that we would we would. We would treat it the same way that we treat food or water, air, shelter. God, that we would crave it in the same way. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Great night.